Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSP Magazine. You're listening to a new Delta X podcast with Ellen Shu. These are conversations with changemakers, innovators, and self-starters who have made their mark on the world at a young age. Breaking down the journeys of those who are changing the status quo and building the future today. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. Welcome back to Delta X Podcast. I'm your host, Ellen Chu, and today we're kind of going to do a recap of the century type theme, except with three class of 2022 um, graduating seniors on kind of their experience from high school, what they're looking forward to, some just some general fireside chat type content. Welcome, Sneha, Aryan, and Kyler. Hey, everyone. My name is Kyler. I'm from Portland, Oregon. And I run, so beyond school, I run an organization called Spark Teen. We support teen entrepreneurs as they build their companies. I also uh, lead an organization called Mission Citizen, where we help local immigrants become U.S. citizens. And as part of that, I get to run a coffee brand uh, where we sell coffee, raise money to cover citizenship fees. And then beyond that, I'm also interested in history. In high school, I did a bunch of research activities. And yeah, super excited to be on here, Ellen. Yeah, I can go next. Um, so my name is Sneha, and I'm from San Jose, California. I'm also a senior, as we probably already know. So um, outside of school, I run an organization called Enco Justice, and Enco Justice is mainly focused on AI ethics. And so um, we initially started off on a pretty small scale, but it expanded immensely since our founding, which has been super exciting and gratifying to see. Um, but yeah, I am super interested in tech policy and AI governance more broadly, and um, I definitely do hope to continue pursuing that in the future. So that's a bit about me. Um, my name is Aryan. Uh, I'm from Fremont, California, which is like 30 minutes like north of like San Jose. So like in the Bay, it's like a little big town. Um, outside of school, I run an organization called Unitopia, which is dedicated to uh, promoting inclusion in special education programs and for neurodivergent students, especially. Um, we do things like, you know, one-on-one activities, um, caregiver like training guides and things like that, especially um, internationally where there's a lot of under-resourced schools and um, institutions. Um, uh, beyond that, I do a lot of like neuroscience research and I'm probably on like the pre-med track during college. Um, so that's kind of like my major focus. I've done quite a bit of research um, in a lot of different domains over like the course of high school. Um, so yeah, I'm also pretty excited to be here. Yeah, that's cool. And also Kyler, I feel like we should talk more about your coffee obsession because like that, you've talked a lot about that, like Mission Citizen and like selling coffee. Like, I feel like it'd be cool to talk about, you know, kind of how that relates to the whole, your whole philosophy behind like experience. And also like we can talk about like Sneha and Aryan, I'm sure you guys have also like those, those like hyper-focused moments in high school. We had like just random obsessions and just went far with that. Yeah. So, so the thing is, this is, this is like a full confession here. I don't actually drink coffee. I don't actually really like coffee except last year. So last year I took the reins of an organization called Mission Citizen. And so normally we run citizenship classes for local immigrants, but then also we had just started a, a coffee brand called Mission Citizen Coffee. We were selling, we were selling in one local grocery store, but that was it. And at first, like that wasn't really part of my main job, but then I got this weird obsession over the summer. Like a couple of us on the team, we became obsessed with selling this coffee. So first, like we started going to in-person events a lot more. We started 
um, trying to start up a subscription service, trying to get into more retail stores. And so probably like August through November, I spent just a significant portion of my time working every single day on this coffee brand for no reason besides like it was fun to do. And it was probably an unproductive thing to do, to be honest, but um, tying into that overall life philosophy of, of collecting experiences, I, I feel like the most memorable moments of high school for me were locking in on these weird obsessions. So freshman year, did speech and debate. Like I remember working till late. You probably, Arian is definitely a lot more legit of a speech and debater than I am, but like working till late with my partners on these cases and then working on the spark teen market. And so definitely when I think back, like my high school experience as a whole, there wasn't that much consistency to it, but it was always locked in on specific projects, like short bursts of intense obsession, and then moving on to another interest or curiosity. Kyler, have you read that Paul Graham, like that one essay about the bus ticket hypothesis or like the bus ticket theory? I didn't read it. I remember you summarized it to me. Like yeah, that reminds me a lot about what he said, because it's like bus bus ticket collectors. It's like something like bus ticket collectors just have this random obsession over things that people other people don't understand, like why bus tickets. But then um, like that's like he, he claims that that's what like distinguishes, um, I guess, successful people versus non-successful. Just like you have very targeted obsessions over things that other people don't understand, but are meaningful in some way in the broader scheme. I thought this, that was interesting with what you said about coffee. Um, yeah, Aryan, what about you? Like, did you have, ever have that like obsessive moment? I know you did speech and debate too. Um, yeah, so I guess I can start off by saying I am obsessed with coffee, um, <laughs> like for real. Um, I think I think Kyler saw me in Atlanta. I was drinking probably two to three cups of coffee um, just whenever possible. Um, but I think for me, it's kind of similar, like just like the obsessions, I think. I think I had like a collective list of activities that I was doing since freshman year. But I think that during like over the course of high school, I think over the four years, um, you know, there were just different periods where you would just focus on certain things more often than not. And I think I think some people approach activities with like a certain like hours per week expectation, like, oh, I'm going to dedicate five hours per week for like, I don't know, speech and debate and then 20 hours for Unitopia. And I think coming into high school, I always thought that, but then I realized like, I really don't care about those like scales. And I think they're really relative in that regard. So there were weeks where I would spend like 40 hours a week, skip two days of school. Um, highly recommend, by the way, um, if you actually want to be productive, skip a lot of school. Um, obviously don't like value your parents about it, but you know, like it's a genuine way to be productive. Just, you know, just having like whatever kind of makes you happy, whatever you kind of makes you feel gratified is what I kind of learned over the course of four years, for sure. Yeah, so Arian is definitely chronically truant, which is maybe not the move, but I definitely do agree. I definitely do agree. I think that like missing school um, has given me more latitude to do things that I enjoy. Um, but yeah, overall, I definitely also agree in that I'm very self-directed and I do have like very short bursts of like really targeted fascinations, but I do find those to be a lot more fulfilling than maybe doing like a lot of things at once. Um, so I also had that speech and debate phase, phase freshman year. I was super obsessed with, I did parliamentary debate as a freshman. So I was super obsessed with that. I remember spending copious amounts of time preparing every week. And I think that again, that also 
um, commanded a lot of my time and energy freshman year. But I think that honestly, when I stumbled upon Uncode Justice and got more involved in the AI ethics space, that was the first time that I ever did anything super consistently and that I ever committed myself to something for like a longer duration of time. So I think that that definitely has been fulfilling. Um, but I think that like Kyler and Aryan said, um, definitely what has been most meaningful to me is just, I think, um, I think carving out my own niches and I think pursuing things that I find interesting, even outside the scope of school, even outside the scope of what other people have been interested in, interested in or like what the general paradigm is. So, um, yeah, I think over time, um, when I started working on EJ, I think when I started, you know, finding specific things that I was interested in, I've been super involved in politics. And so that has also um, been really exciting to get involved in because campaign work um, on like a behind the scenes level is super intense, super, super um, high intensity. And so that's been fulfilling as well. Um, so I think that, yeah, getting involved in all of those things, I think making time for myself. And of course, I think, like Arian said, sometimes skipping school here or there, or um, I think doing something unconventional those have been really amazing sources of fulfillment just over the course of my entire high school experience. I think one thing that I started to kind of identify is that, and this is this is maybe something unique to my school, but a lot of the coursework that you take in high school is linear. And when I say linear, it, it focuses on one subject. So for example, AP chemistry, right? The only thing you're learning is chemistry. But when you go to college, it's super interdisciplinary. Like you'll take the most like random stuff, right? Like, I don't know, I was looking at course catalogs the other day. And it was like educational neuroscience or like, minds and machines, right? Like just like random stuff that like connects like three to six disciplines at like any moment, right? And because it's so inapplicable to like what you are going to be learning, I feel like doing an external project that, you know, combines and weaves a bunch of disciplines actually is relevant. Um, so I think there's like, I feel like there's ins and outs to the argument. I think like you, mm -hmm. it, it does make a lot of sense. But for example, I've skipped 30% of school across four years, which is 216 days. And that does not count half days and stuff like that. So like it, it, it can be quite a bit. So I don't know, just don't let it get too bad. Yeah. Are you in any major regrets? Major regrets. Um, or maybe I'm, not I'm even like a so big major. believer. I, I guess like I'm a big believer in like the butterfly effect, like one tweak, you know, mm. could change like everything. And But like if I did have like a major regret, I think, and this isn't like, like I, I love speech and debate, but like waste of time, dude. Like I think when I, I had a conversation, I think freshman year um, with somebody that was going to college. So when I was a freshman, they were a senior and I asked them like, would you do speech and debate in college? And their answer was no, because I'm tired about, I'm tired of talking about issues, not actually doing something about them. And I think that's pretty insightful. Right. But I think what we fail to realize is that like, there's a lot that we can do in high school that kind of like, it makes it negligible, like the impact like that speech and debate has. It's a microcosm, it's elitist, like there's a lot of issues with it. It's structured debate, which never exists anywhere. Like if you debate with somebody, like it's never, it's never how public forum works, right? Like that's just not how it is. You don't get 20 minutes to prep or like two months before around, like there's just so many issues with speech and debate in my eyes. Um, I guess my biggest regret is wasting so much time with that stupid activity yeah yeah Arian spent like what was it how many hours on your debate officer interview yeah class? still like I I don't know this was like two weeks two weekends ago but like I yeah. spent like 12 you know, <laughs> like 14 hours at a coffee shop conducting like officer interviews for like next year's team like so pointless like it's just yeah 
Yeah, I guess in that case, like, what, what were the things that did matter? I think all of you guys have done stuff like externally, like outside of school. Um, and we talked about that a bit. But like, I guess, what were the things that uh, ended up being those defining moments of high school that you that may not have I guess, seemed so grand in, in, in the moment? But looking back, it's like, those are the things you pick out and you remember. Yeah. So, I mean, right now I'm, I'm sort of having a midlife crisis because you think about, you think about what a midlife crisis is. It's realizing that like all this like shit you should have done in your youth, right. Buying the sports car, doing whatever. And now you're, you're, you're 50 and you're like, damn, I did not do any of that while that was still an opportunity. <laughs> and right now I'm a, I'm a senior in high school about to graduate. And I spent so much time. First of all, I, I can I can talk about Sparky and how that was all that because that was definitely meaningful to me. But also, there are so many things that I missed out on, like while, like before the expiration date, right? There are only certain there are certain things you can only do when you're a teenager. You can't really skate around the city and you know do graffiti art when you're 35 and still feel comfortable doing that when you've got a wife and kids at home. You're doing your taxes, and so there are certain things you can only do right now as a high schooler. And those are the things that I kind of like regret not doing more of. But then I think back about the things that were really meaningful. And a lot of them weren't the productive things that you'd expect. Like not like Spark Teen, not Mission Citizen. Obviously, these things were still super meaningful. But also these dumb moments like in Atlanta when we jumped into that pool. Or when I did something, when I stayed out late at night with my friends and we climbed a building and saw a really nice view. And that was really meaningful and beautiful and you're just in that moment and so there's so many life moments that i can say that i'm proud of uh, and that i'll be able to recall for the rest of my life even if they weren't on paper super meaningful or really career oriented or maybe they just they just didn't matter at all to anyone else except for myself but at least i had those moments that i can reflect on and say i lived a full life when i'm 85 in my deathbed I guess I have a different take on it. I think the most meaningful moment, I guess it was like for me figuring out what I wanted to do. I always knew that I had like an affinity for like science. So, and pretty much like the brain. Um, so I always knew I was going to go into that domain, but um, I started like over like summer, actually like right before summer, like right after AB testing last year. Um, so this was like May. Um, I just started working at a senior care center and on my like first day, um, this dude was just dead just everything, everything's chaotic, obviously, like, you know, paramedics coming in, medical examiners, like asking questions and caregivers, like answering, like, oh, this is exactly how it happened. But like, nobody has any idea what happened because he was just sitting and then he fell. Um, and this is like, as I'm walking in on my first day. So after like two weeks of orientation. So I just asked my boss, I'm like, hey, like, <laughs> what do you want me to do? Like, uh, so then like the first step is like separating all of the other patients. So like, they don't see trauma. Um, and then he assigned me to walk around with the guy's wife. Um, crazy thing is I actually don't know the guy's name still. Um, but he, so I'm, I'm like walking around with this guy's wife, Elsie and my task, like he had told me the night before was to set up Memorial day weekend decorations. So I started doing that and, uh, like we're putting them up and stuff. And then she's like, there's like a ribbon or something. She's just like, can I take this? Um, and then she goes, yeah, like this would be great when my husband comes back from the war. I was like, it just didn't process for her that just like the dude like just passed away. She didn't even realize like he was gone. He just, she just associated with like the memory of him coming back from like the Korean war. 
decades ago. And I think that was kind of what set me towards patient interaction versus what molecular research was. Because for three years, I'd just been doing that stuff. Um, and I'd done it in like various places. I'd loved it. And then suddenly I had this experience. And I was like, wait, like interacting with patients is so cool. Um, not because you have no idea what's going on, which is what happened to me. But in, you know, like the months following, I just had so many interactions where I was like, we, there's a lot of ways to make impact in our world you know, in general, like you can do it through effective altruism or um, whatever, whatever domain you want, right? Like Brian Cameron's way to like raise ed money for education or whatever, right? But like, there's personal values of impact, impact that you have that may be more tangible, intangible. And I realized that the value of impact of just reaching out to people and connecting with them on an individual level is something that I value, which kind of set me towards pre-med medical school, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Long yeah, I think that's definitely yeah, that definitely is like my experience as well. I think that, I think what I have found most meaningful over time is like the most, or the, the least glamorous aspects of the work that I've been doing. So when I first got involved in political campaigns, uh, my first role, I was working on a campaign and I was assigned to do phone banking. And that, you know, sounds nice in theory, but essentially it's very laborious. I was doing like six hour shifts every single day. And it's extremely dull because you are, you know, calling voter after voter after voter. And it's like every 20th voter that actually picks up and they're rude. You know, sometimes they curse at you and, you know, it's, it's very unfulfilling. It was honestly, you know, the first time that I was doing it, I was very disheartened because, you know, campaigns invest a huge sum of dollars in, you know, phone banking and, you know, voter outreach activities like this. And I felt like there was no return on investment there. And I felt like I wasn't actually getting to engage in any of the human connection that I had signed up for. And so I think what I found most fulfilling was those like, you know, that like 1000th of the calls that I actually was able to have, like those meaningful conversations with voters, people who were sometimes on the fence about a candidate or who had, you know, personal experiences with an issue or who had, you know, their own stories of hardship or who had been suffering. And also this was, you know, during the peak of the pandemic. And so I was actually able to connect voters to resources a lot of the times, whether that was, you know, unemployment relief or housing resources or um, being able to find a local testing center or things like that. So I think that um, those experiences and those moments definitely do stand out to me because I think that being able to have those conversations and being able to speak to voters oftentimes, um, I think that reinforced to me the importance of human connection and reminded me why I was doing that work in the first place. And so I think that what has stood out to me most is just being able to find meaning and being able to derive value and being able to have those diamonds in the rough, um, even when I felt like the work at large was very dull or I wasn't really contributing to anything at large. I think that um, I think those have really served to remind me of the importance of the work that I do and the work that other people around me are doing. So I think that um, I will always remember those conversations. I think that being able to work in that very um, unglamorous voter outreach heavy role, um, the first time that I first embarked on working on campaigns, I think that really, really, really was an eye-opening experience for me. And I think that, um, again, has made me um, even more grateful for that human connection and that opportunity to actually, to actually directly engage with and converse with voters and people um, in these yeah. So I run like a, an annual newsletter that goes out to a bunch of people. And in it, I talked about the ramen shop and basically just, just to explain the ramen shop, the ramen shop, I, I don't know if it's actually going to be a ramen shop, but it's the idea of a ramen shop of having this restaurant where you're serving warm bowls of ramen to people every day and just making their lives better. That sort of idea is, is my North star in a way, because it doesn't really matter 
what I'm building. I just want to build something that, that has that same effect. So that's sort of the long-term life compass is, is how do I build ramen shops all around me? Yeah, there was also another idea worth discussing, which was like the big oil, but not actually big oil. So Kyler, do you want to talk about that as well? Yeah, I'm trying to recall. So the name of, we have a group chat, the three of us, we call it, the name of the group chat is Big Oil. And I think the origin of that was during the first conversation, we said that we want to have big oil impact. So like be buying off politicians, be like making all this impact um, on, on world, except, except we're not, we're not promoting big oil we're promoting something good for the world. So it's like, it's like big oil without like big oil. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. I think, I think Heather and I were talking about like the merits of working directly in government or directly in policy versus influencing it from the outside. And then we touched upon just how we all have this vision to, you know, have an impact and to be able to influence policymaking. And like Heather said, buy out politicians, you know, get our way, but um, in a different way. Yeah, a lot of it is political cynicism because we were, especially me, I for a few months, I thought I might work in policy, but then I was entering a phase where I became really politically cynical. And and basically, like, you know, in, in that state, I was convinced, and I still am somewhat convinced that money speaks, but um, it, like the policymakers have absolutely no role in making actual decisions. And so... In that case, if you want to be a real policymaker, then you figure out ways to influence government from the outside. Again, like that's a super cynical point, like perspective, but um, that's the origin of our of our group chat name, I guess. I think I think one thing that I do want to add about high school, and this I guess is tangential. As you can tell, like the three of us have like this like dynamic that's like random as heck. What I, what I do want to get at is like networking is really important in high school. I, I don't think that, I think anywhere you, like we always, I, at least here, we talk about the Bay Area bubble a lot, right? Like that you're in this Bay, you're in this like toxic, snaky, competitive bubble. True. But I think anywhere you grow up, you're in a bubble, right? You just don't interact with that many people outside your area. And at least for me, seeing like how like undiverse places have been for me, like my school is like 80% Asian, right? Um, everybody has the same interests, extracurriculars, like we all do the same stuff. So one big thing is like really stepping out of your comfort zone. Um, on that call, like I didn't talk for the first hour because I'm quite introverted. Um, you probably wouldn't be able to tell now because a comfortable group of people, but like when I'm meeting new people, it's pretty hard for me to like actually communicate. Um, so definitely putting yourself out there, just like you know, just like diffuse the tension, like just throw a sexual joke in there for like no reason. Like, just like, just like have fun with it. Like really try to connect with people outside the confines of like academia and professionalism. And it really, really does lead to like some great friendships. Like Kyler and I, like Monday, what Monday, Monday after Atlanta? No, Sunday. This was Sunday. Yeah. Like we hung out the entire day at the Dogwood Festival, just like eating absolute garbage. Like, yeah, eating absolute, like it was like some of the most like intensely like like sugary oily foods just like you know just having like a good time and i think like those relationships really do die hard yeah also just being proactive about that just being willing to reach out and take that first step is is just such a move because now now ellen and i talk on a bi-weekly basis or like more like weekly basis at this point and and just 
knowing that it all began with a, like a single, and also that's how I got in touch with Sneha, who then got in touch with Aryan, who was already in touch with Aryan. And so it's all like just being willing to send a message. And there's so many things that can come out of that. No, yeah, I definitely agree. I think being willing to reach out to people who you find cool or exciting, even if you don't necessarily have a direct connection to them already is really important and can open a lot of doors. So I think that like Aryan said, um, just like we all live in that bubble. And I feel like if you don't branch out beyond your school environment, you're limiting yourself in so many ways. But I think that um, some of the most meaningful connections that I've had have stemmed from when I have tried to make an effort to reach out beyond my bubble. And so um, has been exciting because like Aryan said, everyone here has like grown up in such different contexts, you know, has such different stories. I know in Atlanta, we were pretty much staying up every single night talking through our various stories. We took turns and, you know, asked each other, what's your story? And I know Kyler found that very intimidating. And I think all of us did, but I think it really allowed for us to sort of crack that, crack our shells and talk more in depth about, you know, who we are, where we come from. And I think what unites us as well. So I think that being willing to have those conversations, being willing to reach out to people who you find cool, um, even if that does seem um, challenging at first, can definitely go a long way. And it can also lead to some very meaningful bonds, which is, you know, how S3 came together in the first place. Yeah, I think adding on that really quickly, um, I do agree with Kyler's thing about proactivity, but I think also like maintenance, right? Like a lot of these connections, they can be surface level when you just reach out the first time and they just respond saying like, oh yeah, here's some advice, right? But like having it go back and forth, right? Is huge. It really does create like networks and connections and like Sneha said, like open a lot of doors. Um, like just reaching out to like people that are, for example, I, before, like this was before app process, I was like visiting Brown, which is where I ED'd. Um, I would just like message random kids on campus, professors. I messaged all like the deans, like every single dean of admissions. And I set up like four meetings with them, right? It's like, it's, it's like a life lesson to like actually like really connect with people, right? And sure, like in that context, like it was just like a simple interaction back and forth, right? But like with my admissions officer, I like coincidentally met him on campus and uh, I like sent him a follow-up email after that saying like, I loved your outfit. Like, can I get like, like, do you have like recommendations on like what stores you got your stuff from? And then he just sent me like a bunch of links and he was like, oh, I remember you were like around like five, seven. So here's like some good, like, yeah, like, you know, like that's like an intense, like, you know, like relationship that you formed with somebody like you would never communicate with elsewise, right? And I think it's so random, right? Like it really is, but like, there's just like, it's much less intimidating when it's a high school student versus an admissions committee, right? And I think learning it early is always beneficial for like October right before admissions um, or, you know, I guess the medical school admissions process or like the LSAT, like whatever, whatever your future pro like prospects are. Yeah. I mean, second semester, I've been making it a point to try to schedule a call with someone who I look up to or find interesting or inspiring once a week. So, I mean, almost on a weekly basis, I'm having those calls and I always find those super exciting because, you know, like Kyler said, I am, you know, at that stage where I'm having a midlife crisis slash quarter life crisis because I am 16, to be fair. Um, but I definitely, I think that having those calls, being able to get clarity, being able to hear from people who you find inspiring um, can definitely help you, I think, shape your direction. And so, um, yeah, I think just being willing to reach out, being, why are you laughing so hard? It's not that funny. Aren't you 17? Oh, wait, I am 17. 
That's so embarrassing. I am 17. Oh my God. Okay. I still feel like you know my age better than I know my age. Okay. So yeah, correction to my previous comment. I am 17 and I'm not 16, but that was really embarrassing. Um, so yeah, I think the moral of the story is just being willing to reach out to people who you know you find interesting, whether they're older or younger, or <laughs> is really fulfilling. Yeah. It's, it's interesting, um, like with what Kyler said, I think most of my friends or like my closest friends I've actually met online. Like I've never, it feels weird. I've like never met Kyler in real life before. Yes. Second hot take on Yes, we need more Time does not, time does not define your relationship. I don't think this is a hot take. Oh, time yeah, Time does yeah. not define a relationship. I, I, I think like genuinely speaking, I've had like a lot of close friends kind of become distant over the past couple months, right? And I think a lot of it does come down to competitiveness, you know, you kind of realize that when you're in the most stressful situations, people can't be there for you. Like things like that, right? Just, you know, general interpersonal conflict, but like time genuinely does not define how close you are with somebody. I think I'm like quite close with Kyler and Sneha. Like, I, I, I don't know. It's like, I think we call it the Substack test, right? Like whether I developed like, we all have, yeah, yeah. Sneha said this and it's like, we all have like Substack newsletters that we send out to people, right? And it's like, if like you kind of determine somebody's closeness, like the litmus test is that like, can you add them onto your Substack and you feel comfortable giving them all of these really personal life updates, right? For, for me, for example, like gym progress or like something like something like, like poetry or like something that I write, it's like, would I feel comfortable like somebody at school reading this and like forming opinions about me? And oftentimes that like childhood friends that like I've known for like so long, the answer may be no, right? Just because you just don't feel comfortable with it. And I think that's that, that's something that kind of took me a long time to learn over this past year. Love you, Kyler and Sam. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree. There are people who I've met in the last year or two years who I feel a lot more like emotionally close to or that I'm able to have like a lot more meaningful conversations with than people who I've known my entire life. And so I definitely don't think that time defines a friendship at all. Yeah, um, this kind of reminds me, I had a conversation with someone recently about like what, what defines happiness. Um, what he thinks is genuine happiness is just like human relationship. It's just like having friends and genuine like family, you know, who, who are there and like trust you and stuff like that. And so um, he was talking about how like once all of this like settles down and he's going to literally just go to some remote island and just like have a bunch of friends and just just like live the life you know so yeah we're going to idaho so idaho <laughs> why idaho and i mean arian has his whole reasoning for this i think the logic is kind of just like a remote place where you don't have anything but people like there's no electronics i guess that would suck for you ellen because you haven't met a lot of people in person but you would be invited as well um just to like meet like a group of people that just like connect you know like you know how all like the tech ceos claim to do that they like go to like this remote area and they're like trapped and then like they just have like insider conversations and like things like they just like make business deals like not like not to like plot and like take over the world but just to like really make impact and I think like over time it becomes more difficult to like maintain that um which is why you know that like remote area whether it's an island or I guess a figurative island in Idaho <laughs> um it, it definitely is something where you try to just maintain that, like, like you just create stronger relationships, but at the same time, like, just build ideas and really build 
you build like, yeah, impact, I suppose. Okay, this is an interesting question though. Um, if you went off the grid, what would you actually do with your time? Like, as in, if you literally left society, no pressures, no deadlines, no anything, like, what would you actually do with all your time? What would you spend your time doing if, if nobody needed saving? So essentially trying to get at what, what do you spend your time doing if you, you're acting purely selfishly? And so that's, like, that's a good question because a lot of times we frame what we spend our time on and who needs, who needs helping, right? It's like the whole effective altruism mindset of like, I'm doing this and this, and in the end, it's about maximizing some utility. Um, and even if you're not an effective altruist, you, you think in like people generally like to think that they're trying to trying to align what they're doing with some sort of moral conviction. But then I, I thought about it and actually like I, I got response from Aryan Sneha and I asked like a couple of my other friends too. And, and they said, like, they generally said something along the lines of learning or like partying in Miami. So just doing whatever. Like, you know, like the pure hedonist, like hedonism stuff. And then, and then for me, a lot of it would just be connecting with people, like talking with people, having good conversations, and then also building things that seem interesting. So, you know, one of my friends, he told me that he would want to build some rocket thing, like jetpack for himself. And so just, I don't know, I, I thought it was a good frame because it, it makes you think about what you'd be doing purely if you're acting purely selfishly because most people aren't aren't going to be like i just want to collect a massive amount of money drive my lamborghini around most people have these higher aspirations that they at least like to think that they'd spend their time working on mm -hmm. yeah so you would you would just okay so you would build things and and hang out with friends that's like your definition of self self selfish selfish happiness yeah. A lot of community building, like a lot of, mm -hmm. and community building, not for the community, but just to like, as, as something that I enjoy doing, you know, host events, um, build spaces where people gather. I think just that idea generally appeals to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What about, what about you, Arden? I honestly, like when, when Kyler asked me this, I was mad confused. Like I, Cause it's not that like, I've always lived my life for someone else or something, but like, it really felt like after he asked me that and I couldn't think of an answer, like, Oh, maybe, maybe I have lived my life for like somebody else the entire time. Um, I don't, I don't really know. Like it, it was like, it was a pretty, um, it was a pretty hard like question to like answer. I, I, I think my initial answer was like, start a weed farm. But I realized like, that was just like, it was just, I, I just said it like it didn't matter like I, I don't even like I don't even care like about that stuff anyway so I don't know I think it would probably just like this is a weird take but I don't think we've seen the true genetic potential of what our bodies can do and just see how much you can push like the human body to like lift <laughs> you know like so I would weird. just use myself as like a guinea pig and I would just like start like benching, deadlifting, squatting, and just seeing like, like basically I just run science experiments on myself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Some doofenshmirtz. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's interesting. I, I, I do agree with you though. I feel like um, I actually read a book recently about how 
like we're always at 40 like when our mind tells us to stop it's actually 40 percent of our actual physical abilities. like we have all these defense mechanisms you know maybe yeah exactly like we yeah. like like we actually like hypothetically speak, like this like i think it's called runner's high right when you run a certain amount of miles and then after a while you just stop feeling it that like the pain and mm-hmm. like i remember like i think it was last week i just decided to get up like I, I haven't run in a while and i just ran 13 miles i was just like huh let's just see what like like i said like what my body can do um and after the six mile i just didn't feel anything um so i i feel like if we if we tried enough i feel like our body like i just want to like kill all the pain receptors you know like yeah I, it sounds really stupid but like just like being able to just like basically break down every single defense mechanism um and unleash genetic potential <laughs> i like that yeah what about seha yeah i mean i'm not i'm honestly not sure i think i had like a very similar experience to Arian in that it was my first time thinking about what i would do if i were to act purely selfishly um so i think that i would definitely want to you know talk to people like Kyler said but i also I think would be making music, writing, just solely for myself. I think I do get a lot of joy from that. So I think that's what I would be doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I got to think about this in a bit too, but I think my answer would be very similar to yours, Neha. I think I'd just read and write a lot and then build random things. Like the, ha- okay, actually, I should have talked about this when you asked about the highlight of my high school, like so far. Um, but like building the geodesic dome, I can't see right now because it's dark, but there's like a geodesic dome in my backyard. It's like, if it was, wasn't dark, it'd be like right outside my window. Um, but like genuinely building that was so much fun. And I, it's not like I even learned much from it, although that was the initial intent or like, I don't, I don't even use the dome as much as I would like to, but just trying to build random things and just seeing it come to life is just fun and not for any particular reason too. Thank you guys for listening and we'll see you guys in the next one. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Delta X Podcast with Ellen Shu. If you learned something new and this podcast made you think, then share ITSPmagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society.